You're listening to Strong Woman Radio, a sanctuary free of testosterone, save for a few special guests, where ladies who like to lift heavy things can chit-chat about the struggles and success that comes with being a woman in a man-dominated sport. We welcome all listeners of all sports, be it strongman, CrossFit, Olympic lifting, or more. Please send us your own inside girl jokes or questions if you'd like to submit one through the contact form on paleoparents.com. Simply click the podcast drop-down from the top right corner and submit a question or comment under the SWR tab. While you're at it, shop on the sidebar of our blog for our favorite products and recommended partners. Now, let's get to our fearless leaders, two competitive strong women athletes who earned their invites to nationals within the first year of training for the sport. Please remember, Stacey and Vivian's banter is often mindless and should never be taken for professional medical advice. Welcome back to Strong Women Radio. We have a returning guest. You are our first guest that's ever returned to Strong Women Radio, by the way. Awesome. Steph from Stupid Easy Paleo um, is joining us, as she promised she would, to talk about nutrition. Um, (laughs) As 99% of our listeners know, I'm paleo. Um, and so is Steph. So, um, I think that there's a lot of, um, negativity surrounding that word, at least in the community that I'm in when it comes to, to strength. I think there's a lot of mockery and, um, negative thoughts towards, what paleo is or isn't or what it means. And I know that a lot of people in my community love their oatmeal. So um, I kind of wanted to talk about a different perspective and stuff. You have personal experience going from, you know, that traditional athletic food mentality from being an endurance biking athlete to now you were regionals CrossFit athlete and now you are an Olympic lifter. And the different ways that you've kind of come to understand both from a scientific perspective as well as an N equals one equation to kind of fuel your body. And um, we're not purposely leaving Viv out of the conversation. It's also the first podcast that we've ever done where Viv isn't actively joining us, but um, she will, will join us shortly. She is not sitting this one out just because she's not paleo. She's actually been making... Um, uh, working really hard to strive to to be not perfectionist paleo, but um, try to maintain gluten-free and eat nutrient-dense foods and kind of within a paleo template, which is really cool. And um, maybe she can, when she joins us, talk a little bit about how that's going for her. But she told me she's been really happy with um, being able to, to slowly lean out as well as um, still perform in the gym, which is what well, you know, those of us who are trying to lean out and not bulk up, that's the idea, right? <laughs> we yeah. want to do it without affecting our performance. So um, anyway, just to, to kind of introduce yourself for those people that maybe didn't um, hear you on your first um, episode on the podcast and um, let them know about some of the awesome resources that you have available if people are looking for more information. Yeah. So I started the blog Stupid Easy Paleo in 2011, and then it kind of became a website plus a blog a couple of years after that. But I have been doing recipes and um, and slowly over time have been adding a lot more resources for athletes because, like, let's be honest, it's what I know the best <laughs> because I am an athlete and I've been uh, competitive for years and years. Um, as you mentioned, mountain biking, um, triathlons, running, um, CrossFit, weightlifting. So I've kind of seen the gamut of everything. And, um, and I used to be a science teacher, so I'm a complete nerd when it comes to the nutrition and physiology and biology and all this great stuff. So, um, that's kind of my background, but what I do now or what I'm specializing in now is, is helping athletic people and performance minded people, um, really make the most of their performance by eating a diet that's, you know, along a paleo template. And like you said, I mean, 
um, it's, it's actually really hard to do paleo by this kind of like really dogmatic point of view. If you value performance and you're an athlete and you're out there like really challenging your body on a, on a regular basis, either with intensity or, or, um, duration or frequency, like whatever domains you're adding in there. But if we take that template as a jumping off point, and then we modify it in ways that are, you know, supportive of performance, then I think we see that most people have an enormous benefit. And, um, so to that extent, I wrote an ebook called the paleo athlete in 2014 that came out last year. And that kind of sets up this idea of like how I think, um, and adds in some science in there too. It's not just like me making it up, but how, you know, <laughs> how we work best, um, how humans function. I see paleo from a very physiological driven, um, perspective because that, I mean, so much of my background is like that. And I know there's a nod there to kind of, you know, how our ancestors used to eat, but I know that paleo is not a historical reenactment. So I really tried in the ebook to explain at a very, um, like a very welcoming level, I guess, for people to say, Hey, do you want to join this conversation? Let's talk more about it and not talking over people's heads and making it too crazy and scientific, but really giving people the rationale behind the recommendations for how to eat this way and maximize your performance. And then earlier this year, so January, 2015, I came out with a cookbook called performance paleo cookbook that delivers over a hundred recipes for people to then get in their kitchen, right. And take that knowledge and actually do something with it because, you know, we still all have to cook and eat for the most part. We, most people can't afford to hire somebody to make their meals for them. So how do, how can people actually take those lessons and get into the kitchen and make food that's going to not only be supportive of their goals, but taste good. So they want to keep eating it. Well, and I've blogged about it on the blog um, as kind of a review to your cookbook, but your performance paleo cookbook is pretty much the way that I eat. I've done a lot of different experimentation um, with the way that I fuel myself since I started um, trying to be competitive and strongman. And um, it is certainly like a a nutrient-dense paleo with... Um, your main principles being fat and protein before a workout and carbs and protein after a workout are kind of my mantra to how I live my life and, and fuel myself. And certainly there are days that aren't ideal um, or, you know, the yuca fries just look really delicious and I'm going <laughs> to do them after workout even though they have fat in them. Like, you know, it's not that I am like regimented, but it's a mentality that I know is an ideal that I strive to achieve the majority of the time. Um, and I think one of the, one of the biggest differentiators that I try to explain to people who are focused on strength training and want to figure out how to fuel their body is that it's not just solely, in my opinion, about, um, gains, right? Like let's just, um, we jokingly named our home gym house of gains because it's like this, this thing, people are always trying to make gains, whether it's, you know, how many pounds they're putting on their, their lifts or, um, what they're trying to, to do and achieve with their own bodies. But, um, for me personally, I find that paleo is a huge contributor to my ability to lift, because of the reduced inflammation and the reduced joint pain and the recovery time. Um, a lot of people talk about delayed onset muscle soreness. And I've, I don't know if you've done any scientific research on it stuff, but from my research, um, DOMS are most frequently associated with nutritional deficiencies. So if your body is not nourished and doesn't have enough vitamins um, and minerals to replenish the cells that are being damaged with hard Mm -hmm. workouts, then it doesn't have the stores to then, um, 
recreate them and make them feel good after. I don't know if I um, explained that in the colloquial terms that <laughs> need to be explained, but um, I mean, there is no pinpointed, this is what delayed onset muscle soreness is, and this is the cause. But from the research that I've read, it's commonly attributed to and explained by nutritional deficiencies. And I will tell you that um, I very, very frequently have delayed onset muscle soreness. I mean, even when I do heavy, heavy days, whether it be volume or one rep max or both. Um, like yesterday I did a one rep max on my deadlift and then I did a five by three at 80%. And then I did some metabolic conditioning, um, as well. And I woke up this morning and my lower back is like, Oh, it's there. I feel it, but, um, it doesn't kill me and it, it won't get worse as the days go on. And, my husband, who does not focus on nutritional um, <laughs> priorities, who doesn't have soup every day like I do, who doesn't have salad every day like I do, um, he definitely will be like taking the stairs with a wince, <laughs> you know. So, um, and I, I know that that's not just because of the person that I am, right? Like this idea that um, some people are better apt, more apt to recover than others because. I came from this place of being so broken and so sick that it's not because my body is just like super awesome. <laughs> like I would love if that were the case that it's not. So I think maybe to talk about the context of fueling with paleo is not just like this, this thing that you do only to, you know, get lean or make gains. But for a lot of us, it's a way to manage um, the way that we feel, which helps us perform better. Yeah. You know, um, I know you're familiar with Dr. Terry Walls. Um, when I read her book, and I mean, <laughs> Terry Walls and I couldn't come from like two more opposite ends of the spectrum in terms <laughs> of who we're talking to, really. Like, you know, she's obviously um, dealing with MS and really, I mean, trying to heal and deal with her condition. And and I'm kind of on the opposite side of that, which is like, I just want a, a 400 pound back squat and, you know, I want to be able to clean and jerk a hundred kilos, you know, that's, that's where I'm coming from. But I totally, I, I, I read her book and I really respected her when she wrote about, you know, this idea of nourishment at the cellular level, because so like you said, so often we take that kind of larger view of like, I just want to get stronger or I want, you know, all the gains and I want to, you know, cut down to this body fat percentage. And we kind of think about things on this really macro view, but real realistically, I mean, we're dealing with, are we feeding ourselves properly at the level of the cell? And if the cell is broken, then we're not going to be functioning in an optimal way. And we certainly can't expect ourselves uh, realistically to perform as well as we possibly could. And, and nobody's eating a, an exactly perfect diet, but there are ways to, to mitigate the damage that we're doing and, you know, really to support our, the way our body is supposed to work, like the way we're designed to function. But if we're not giving ourselves that micronutrition, like we talk all about macros and everybody's like protein, carbs, and fat. And that's only part of the story because if we don't supply the micronutrition, like you're saying, the vitamins, the minerals, the cofactors, all these things that we need for ourselves to work properly, then we're not going to be able to perform at our, our kind of like our genetic potential or our best depending on where we are in life. So yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting how we kind of skip over all that other stuff. <laughs> but it's so, it's so important. Hi guys, I'm here. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. So micro versus macronutrients. Well, first of all, can I talk about how macronutrients just terrify me just because it seems like a hyper complicated thing to calculate. And then after that, like micronutrients is a thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this goes to kind of what Steph and I were talking about before we started recording the show about it being really annoying and a lot of work. To... It seems like extra tedious. It is. It's no fun. Like, I don't, maybe there are people out there that really enjoy documenting everything they eat, but um, I'm not a huge fan. How about you, Steph? It is not how I would choose to spend my extra time. <laughs> I think of a lot of other things I'd rather be doing. So I think we're saying we're with you on that one, Viv. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like, like, 
I'm interested in it as in like, I want to get a general idea of the things that I'm putting into my body, but like at the level that macro nutrients goes, I'm like, ah, I'm scared. It's going to stress me out where I can't focus on being an athlete and just focus on like all the tiny things I'm eating. And that kind of happens when macronutrients come into like play in my head when I first look at it. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm sure it is super helpful for performance when it comes to um, focusing on how you're eating macro and micros and et cetera. So Steph, maybe you can go into a little detail about your philosophy for people like Viv who aren't ready to or aren't in need of either cutting or gaining to kind of live by the philosophy in the paleo athlete and just kind of a, a broad overview of where those concepts come from. Yeah, I think there's, there's nothing wrong with having an awareness of how much you're eating and roughly how much of that is protein and how much is carbohydrate and where are you at in terms of you know, your body composition. And this is the hard thing I try to, you know, get people to to make a decision about is like, do you value performance the most or do you value radically changing your body composition the most? And it's not to say that you can't tweak things here and there and like dial up your fat or or dial up your carbs depending on what you want to do and like for somebody like me who lifts in a weight class, I mean, if I don't make weight, I don't lift in my weight class. So those are realities. And, and we, we can't just adopt this mentality of let's just like free for all and eat everything that we want. And I mean, calories matter. <laughs> like we can't, we can't say calories don't matter. Um, because if we take in too much energy and we have to do something with it, we're going to have to store it. Like we can't, we can't significantly overeat on calories for a long period of time and then think, Hey, it's not, it's not going to matter. It's all paleo food. So I think having an awareness for an athlete is certainly a good thing. And if you're unfamiliar with what, you know, 50 grams of a sweet potato looks like, or, you know, this, some amount of protein, like, I think that's a, that's actually a, a decent exercise for people who are unaware to get familiar with roughly where they should be eating and how much they should be eating. Um, I, I don't think unless you're trying to push your body composition in one particular direction or another, like you said, gain gaining or cutting, I don't think that being super precise and writing everything down and, um, you know, being plus or minus two grams on this or, plus or minus five grams on that is, is a way to just like live life just cause you, you can't figure out how to control your eating patterns. So I think there's a tendency for some folks, um, they, they, you know, they glom on to what's popular and they're like, well, you know, if I just eat this way and I count my macros that way, then it'll keep me in check and I won't overdo things. And I mean, I don't think that that's a really great strategy to live your life. Because it's a lot of work to count your macros and be within plus or minus two grams of fat or plus or minus five grams of protein. And it's certainly not, it, it's certainly valid for some people um, for short term goals. But I don't think it's a way to live life and enjoy life. So that's kind of where I come, come at it from a personal point of view. And then also with what I really talked about in the paleo athlete and, and in my cookbook. So it's like, you know, eat three meals a day, get a really good dose of protein. And, um, I think, you know, on average for most athletes or really active people, somewhere around one gram per pound of body weight is a good place to start. Um, if you're kind of interested in maintaining body weight, if you want to lose body weight, you're going to have to cut that back, but don't go crazy and cut it in half because you're going to be significantly under eating on calories. And that's just as bad, um, long-term as, as is over significantly overeating. So if you're trying to push your body weight down, you know, a, a very, like a very conservative amount of decrease in that number is going to start to help, um, somewhere like 10% maybe, but I wouldn't go crazy and say like, I'm going to cut my protein intake by 50%. 
then I'll lose weight that much faster. <laughs> because again, you still want to perform and performance is important if you're, if you're training. So you need to maintain your muscle mass and be able to recover from, from the training that you're doing. So I kind of take that, like find a ballpark, figure out what that looks like on a plate. Um, and then pay attention to how you feel, right? Because you may be eating a certain amount of grams of protein or grams of carbohydrate and you get to the end of the day and you're like, I'm just still starving. Or the next day I feel completely under recovered. I'm, I'm really flat. I don't feel sharp when I'm in the gym or I feel really slow today. I mean, all of like the weight feels extra heavy. I mean, you guys know that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, did somebody add plates to this when I wasn't looking? Are you sure this is the right bar? <laughs> Right. So you know how that feels, right? When you're not properly recovered. And certainly that could be stuff from your life that's stress or lack of sleep or, you know, add in whatever other factors. But if, if you're significantly under eating because you're trying to cut weight for something um, and you're doing it in a way that's like not maintainable long-term, nor is it healthy in terms of hormonal balance and all this other stuff. I mean, that's kind of where I come from. I don't think drastic weight cuts or weight gains like are are healthy for people um trying to do it in a really short amount of time like take that slow and steady and that's unfortunately not what a lot of people want to hear people are like I just okay so I started this thing two weeks ago why didn't I lose 15 pounds yet and you're like well (laughs) get the flu that's an easy quick way to lose 15 pounds but (laughs) you can't maintain that so it's also not going to make you perform if you're completely dehydrated and you've lost all your muscle mass, which is what quick loss is. So totally. So, I mean, my, my philosophy is, you know, eat three meals a day. If you're working out a lot, eat a post-workout meal. Like if you're just, if you're just going for a hike, uh, you're chasing your kids around, like you don't need to, you don't need to eat post-workout. Um, but if you're, you know, you're in the gym training three, four, five days a week and you're really pushing it hard, eat your post-workout. Um, and pay attention to how you feel. Your body will tell you what's going on if you just pay attention. And I think sometimes that's the danger in quantifying everything, right? Is that we're like, well, I already reached my numbers, shrug. <laughs> or, you know, like we're, we're just a little bit more prone to stick to the numbers and ignore what our body is telling us. So that's really kind of the, the philosophy that I take is like, know your, know your general range but pay attention to things and like write it down. Felt terrible today or, you know, felt awesome. Um, slept really well. Like write yourself notes in your training log about how you feel and see if you can start to correlate that to your intake of food. Because even if you paid the best nutrition coach who works with the most elite athletes, you're still going to have to report to him or her about how you feel, how things are going, right? So that they can make adjustments. And it's not just like a one time wham, bam, you're done. If you're really truly interested in dialing that stuff in at a very specific level, you have to provide a lot of qualitative and quantitative data to whoever's doing your programming for you, nutrition or training wise. So I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, the one thing I was hoping you could clarify for people is, um, well, the thing that I hear most often that people don't want to hear is that fat in the post-workout window can be detrimental. So um, maybe you could just touch on when you say, you know, have your post-workout. If we're trying to encourage people not to buy some monstrosity chemical shitstorm in a bottle and and drink that right after they work out, um, what what are some of the specific kind of whole food recommendations that they would find um, through your resources and maybe a, like just why? So for Post-workout's kind of a tricky thing because we try to we try to narrow it to this like really specific window of time. We you know, 15 to 30 minutes you should eat your post-workout meal. And it, it's almost like, well, once the window closes, you're completely done. And that's not true either. Recovery is a like a long process, right? Not only in terms of strength, but nutrition-wise, it it's like a it's a continuum. It's not just the, the window is open and then shut. 
unfortunately, we use that as a heuristic to tell people or to get people to like take it seriously and make sure they eat because we get busy, right? We get distracted or we stop for errands on our way home. And then by the time we get home, it's actually dinner time and we haven't eaten anything for two hours. So we use that as like a, as a way to try to get people to like take action, right? 15 to 30 minutes. Um, you know, if you eat a little bit later, it's probably fine, but just know that the longer it takes you to eat something, the longer it's going to take you to digest and assimilate and get some raw materials into your cells to start the recovery process. So time is of the essence in a way. And if you're going to be going into the gym tomorrow and you just did a super heavy workout today, time is of the essence for you, right? Because you're going to be putting yourself to the test within 24 hours. And, and for some people, they're doing two-a-days or they're doing like an afternoon session and then working out the next morning. That's even more important because your window of recovery is even shorter. So if you're, if you're going to be eating a post-workout because you're working out hard, you need to supply two basic raw materials, amino acids for muscle recovery and carbohydrate for glycogen replenishment. So what that looks like is protein and carbohydrate in, in some form, whether that's you know starchy vegetable or white rice or whatever. But you need to, to supply those two things um, and then your body's going to be able to start shuttling that to your cells and recovery to begin. If you eat a really fatty, fatty meal in that post-workout, fat slows the emptying of your stomach, which is usually a great thing, right? Because it helps us stay fuller longer. We feel full, like we're satiated. Yay, we get to you know survive for more than two hours before we're hungry. But if we're slowing our stomach emptying in the post-workout period, we're just delaying our recovery. And I mean, you don't have to be crazy and get out a microscope and like take a, a razor blade to your chicken breast and like try to slice off every tiny piece of visible fat. But it just means to not eat something that's super dense in fat in that post-workout, save it for the next meal. Right. So what would that look like? I mean, some kind of lean protein. So chicken breast or lean pork or even, I mean, you can get like canned salmon is one of my go-tos. It's not super high in fat and there's a little bit, but it's not crazy. And some kind of carbohydrate that's going to be dense in um, glucose, right? So starchy, something like sweet potato or white potato or um, even white rice if you tolerate it. Um, but something that's going to provide starch, which is then broken down into glucose. And then glucose is going to be um, what replenishes the, the glycogen you spent from your muscle tissue. So, so it's not no fat, it's just less fat than like you would have for lunch or breakfast. Yeah, I the way I call it is like fat needs to be minimal. I mean, you can't say like, it's really hard to be super like binary with people, right? Like all right. or nothing. But I tell people to minimize fat as much as possible. So I wouldn't go and make a protein shake with half a can of coconut milk. Right. That's going to be pretty dense in fat or, you know, whatever, like, oh, I'm going to have a protein donut or like, what are those protein muffins that people are making? And they're, they're putting lots of like frosting on it. That's got protein powder in it and stuff. And it's like, well, if that pro, if that frosting is full of fat, then it's kind of defeating the purpose. So, I mean, it's not about and like, almond almond flour pancakes with protein powder in it are the same thing. I mean, almonds are super high in fat as well. So even even paleo options, not all of them are ideal. With if you're talking about specific foods and you know for performance or recovery. Yeah, and I mean, if it's an every once in a while thing, and you're like, you know what, I really want to make my almond pan almond flour pancakes today because it's whatever, I feel like it and I'm, I'm craving it. Or, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to go in and fail tomorrow's one rep max back squat test because you ate an almond flour pancake. But on, you know, on the other hand, if that's what your go-to is every single day, I would, I would choose something else. You know, it's all for it. Like people like to, to boil, um, nutrition down into like, Oh, I didn't eat my pre. So, 
you know, pre-workout drinks with warning labels and stuff. I didn't do my pre-workout today. So I'll probably, you know, I'll probably not PR. And it's <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> I think that's more of a mental thing than anything else. You know, like our bodies are pretty resilient, but over time, if we're making kind of crappy choices, that stuff is going to add up. I agree. I don't, I don't do pre-work. I feel like I'm like a terrible example for like trying to fix it. Like for me, I have a hunger buddy because I don't get hungry enough where I'm like, oh, I should really eat lunch. Like I was super proud of myself today for having lunch before two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> because like go. normally for me, like I don't have an appetite when I wake up, I'm not hungry and so, like, I'm like, all right. And then it'll be late in the morning. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should start my metabolism now at some point. And then lunch is like, it can push until two or three or four o'clock and I would be fine. And then dinner for me is like 10 o'clock at night. So I have like a terrible eating schedule. And like, I'm working or I'm doing it where I'm like, I'm actually eating three meals a day because before I was having maybe. 700 maybe 800 total calories throughout the day just because i wouldn't be hungry oh i know oh my head's gonna explode i know (laughs) but like i'm lifting really heavy so i'm like all right whatever my body's just doing what it's doing so i am eating way more like way more calories now than i was even like maybe a month or two ago so i am adding more like because I'm putting energy in to get energy out of my body but at the same time it's like this is a real struggle for me just to get three meals in like three solid nutrient-dense meals into my body and not worrying about like the macros and micros and things like that and just trying to like eat like get my body to eat before I go work out and not like freak out or stress over the the minutia of it (laughs) how is it how has your performance been since you've been eating more I mean my performance I guess for me it's just my I don't have a ton of days where I'm maxing out there are days where I I know like weekends I can go for one meal and I'll be good to go like I'll have a burger and I'll be like all right I'm done eating I'm, I'm tired of this um but since I've been eating more I think I've I feel better, like my recovery is a lot faster, or I'm noticing where my body is sore in places and, and I'm I'm recovering a lot faster or I can stay more focused. Not that I'm people tell me I'm a really focused lifter anyway, so it doesn't really <laughs> affect them. But like for me, my recovery feels faster and I can just get in and get out and not dilly daddly or rest in between sets as much as I normally would. Mm-hmm. Um but uh it's just ri- I don't know why it's such a hurdle for me just to get my body to eat when I'm not hungry. And that's where I'm having, (laughs) I'm having a struggle where I guess most people are like, what do you mean? You're not hungry. I'm like, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry after I work out, which is really weird, I guess, for a lot of people. Well, you, you also have thyroid and yeah, I have thyroid and, and I'm terrible with like, I'm not like Stacey where I'm eating super clean and that kind of stuff. I am on Synthroid and that kind of stuff. So for me it's just like all right let me just focus on trying to get meals in like scheduled meals into my body where I can eat more than 700 calories a day (laughs) and not like freak out my system because like honestly with the way I was eating before I shouldn't have been be able to lift like anything (laughs) from what like from what I see like I'm like really that's all you were eating I'm like yeah there are days where I went without eating, I ate lunch and I would go without eating until the next lunch the next day. And I'd be like, what the heck is, what am I doing that I'm not eating? But yeah, I'm a terrible example for anyone who's like, oh man, what is Vivian doing? Well, I think, I think we get really used to those patterns and it becomes a habit and and then habit just becomes a behavior and, and that behavior just continues. And you know, for a lot of people learning to eat again in the morning is like, a, it's a battle because right. they're not, they're not used to it. It, it seems weird. Um, they're not used to how it feels and, you know, it takes some diligency and, and some work to finally not feel weird about it. But right. 
I mean, like now it's getting better where I'm like not waiting until like almost 11 o'clock to eat breakfast. <laughs> like I'm having, I'm grabbing like an Epic bar on the way out to work, which is like, people are like, that's not enough. And I'm like, it's not enough. I'm sure it's, I'm a hundred percent sure it's not enough, but it's more than what I was eating before. So it's like, all right, you win some, you lose some, but like, this is my win because before I was eating nothing and having water until yeah. like lunch in the afternoon. So <laughs> I would be dying. <laughs> be I know dying. people are like, what do you mean you're not hungry? And I'm like, I'm not hungry. I don't know what to tell you. So yeah. So I think I'm interested to hear your perspective because I always thought that I was eating and, you know, I, I share my food all the time on Instagram. Like it's not a surprise what I eat the majority of the time. I have soup for breakfast and usually have a salad with protein for lunch. If I'm lifting, I would add like plantain chips or some kind of carbohydrate for, you know, fueling later in the day. And then, um, I would normally eat uh, dinner. And if there was like a prolonged period of time where I was either working late or, um, you know, whatever, I would do an egg white protein shake on occasion, but it wasn't something like the, that felt like adequate fueling to me. Um, and then recently because of a medical diagnosis, I've been trying to focus on, my macros and my general intake so that I can kind of get a picture, get a better picture about what I'm actually eating versus what would be optimal for, um, you know, trying to lean out and, and strength gain and also, um, regulate my hormones and my thyroid and, and some other stuff that I want to focus on. But, um, it's been fascinating to me to kind of log what I'm eating and see, what a calculator is telling me is supposedly not enough food. And I'm literally like full. Now, granted, I could totally eat a piece of cake. <laughs> I could totally eat. Your dessert stomach is not full, but your Exactly. Right. Like there's, there's a second dessert stomach that could totally be fine. But when I'm talking about like actually nourishing my food, uh, nourishing my body and, and feeling full, like I feel satiated off of the foods that I've eaten, but a you know, like the, the tool that I'm using to, to track my intake is telling me that I need to eat significantly more like 500 to a thousand calories a day in a deficit from already kind of being a deficit saying, ah, I'd like to lose one pound a week. Um, so it's already like reducing that. Um, I, you know, and I, I think for, for people to hear that for Viv and I, who are people in an, like a heavyweight class for people who could be leaner to not be eating a ton of food is probably an interesting perspective because I think there's this association, at least in America, that um, you you get fat because you eat too much. And it's like you said, calories matter, but they're not the only thing either. You know, we we can set ourselves up for being metabolically broken. And that can mean a whole lot of different things by, you know, under eating, like you were saying, your brain's exploding, it can cause a whole bunch of things. And I think for me, um, you know, I had my hormones measured and my leptin is off. And I think one of the reasons my leptin is off is because I, you know, have been metabolically broken my whole life. And then I went so super low carb paleo, I lost a bunch of weight, I wasn't eating to fuel properly, right? I wasn't focused on nutrient density in any sort of capacity. I was just like, these are the, these are the foods that are low carb paleo and I'm going to, to eat them. Um, and then it has been a really long rebound for me. I mean, I only did that like 18 to 24 months and I'm three months outside of that window and I'm still kind of recovering from that rebound effect. And I think it's important for people to be aware that there is a much, much bigger, picture health-wise than just let me eat two donuts or two chocolate croissants right now because I want to and I'm doing if it fits your macros so I'll just eat you know um, empty calories or leafy greens the rest of the day or, or something I mean it's it's a ideal to look at the whole big picture and not just macronutrients, not just calories, not just micronutrients, but to think about 
what you're fueling your body with overall, which I know sounds overwhelming. It's overwhelming for Viv. It's overwhelming for me. (laughs) It's not fun to think about and track, but at the same time, like, if you want to use your body as a tool, like you have to think about the best way to use it. And you wouldn't just like walk in to fix the sink with a hammer. You are going to want to have a screwdriver, you know? So it's like, it's figuring out those right things, I think, from my my perspective and kind of, I mean, I'm like day six in on this macro experiment. So it's very top of my mind for me in terms of like how I'm feeling about it and it's very fresh and I have all these thoughts and um I have to actively try to to eat enough protein like stuff you're you're saying one one gram per pound which like there's no way I could achieve one gram per pound I think that definition is like lean muscle mass because if I tried to eat the amount of protein that I like the equivalent to what I weighed I would just be eating whole chickens all day long. Like I would be walking around the office with a rotisserie chicken in my arm, just like gnawing Mm -hmm. on a leg. Um, I feel like that's like my hardest macro to like take into my body. And I'm like, but I'm eating like eggs and sausage and all this stuff. And I'm like, at the end of the day, they're like, no, but you need more. Yeah. But eggs are, (laughs) eggs are more fat than they are protein, which I hadn't really thought about until I started tracking my macros (laughs) and I saw it on a pie chart and I was like, shoot, what am I going to do for protein? Um, yeah, that's the hardest one for me too. To, you were saying canned salmon is, is your go-to canned tuna is my favorite, is my favorite just cause it's leaner. Um, and I think it's a, a little more palatable for me personally, although I do, um, canned salmon as well, but I've been finding that egg white protein shakes with, um, gelatin and gelatin is not a full amino acid profile, but it is some protein. Um, is like the only way that I'm, I'm hitting my numbers every day. Like I just can't, I physically cannot eat that much protein. I'm trying so hard, but I have to do a, a protein shake in order to, to meet my numbers. Yeah. I, I think if you're trying to, if you're trying to lose weight, like just overall, um, you're going to have to dial that back a bit. It's, you know, like one gram per pound of body weight is kind of a maintenance number. Um, and, you know, 1.25 or something like that would be a bit more of like a gainer's number. Like you're trying to really just actively pursue mass gain. So you, like there's definitely wiggle room in there. Um, but it's still hot. Ha- I mean, I know for a fact um, and I, I can say like I'm not ashamed to admit that I recently was, you know, kind of doing some tracking to see what I was intaking and lo and behold, my protein was terrible. Um, and I, yeah, like, yeah, it's okay. It's not just me. Like, yeah. yeah, the carbs. I will eat you. And then my protein's like, meh. Terrible. Yeah, you know, I think, and it's not that I wasn't, that I was trying. I mean, I eat three, three meals a day plus a post-workout. It's not like I was actively trying to <laughs> cut back on protein or I was being unaware. I was skipping meals. Um, but it's interesting since I've increased my protein in the last three weeks. Um, I feel my lifting has been a lot better and uh, my recovery has been a lot better because I had a lot of days where, and nothing else has changed. My sleep's the same and life, life is about the same. So it's really just the food. And, and when I think about, you know, what I've been able to, to do relatively recently, um, like I hit about 96% of my one rep max, clean on Saturday. And then I did it, I did 97 or 98% yesterday. So like, that's a pretty, for, for me as a master's athlete, that's, I mean, I don't oftentimes just like hang out doing 95% of my one rep max clean. Cause that's like 200 pounds. Um, but I, I felt great. I was like, wow, I feel really, really good. The best I felt in, in, in months. And, and I realized you just kind of get into that pattern and you have those same kind of foods you gravitate toward. And yeah, like totally under on protein by a significant amount, like probably, so I tried to eat about one gram per pound of body weight. And I was, I was probably eating some about 150 pounds. Um, I was probably eating about 110 grams or so maybe 120, which is still, and for somebody who's training pretty hard four times a week is, 
I don't think it's enough. For me, it wasn't enough. So I've been really trying to be cognizant of that. But I mean, lean protein is so satiating. That's, that's the hard thing, right? You take like three bites of a chicken breast and you're like, dude, I'm over it. Just get it away from me. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, like shakes can help because it's liquid and it's easier to drink it than it is to have to chew it all and, and that sort of stuff. So I kind of, for people that are really trying, they're struggling to get it, I just say like, do what you can. And, you know, if you have to supplement once a day with a shake or something to try to get it down you, just do what you need to do. But, um, but yeah, that protein piece is so big, so big for people. I think the struggle is real. When you're saying you got halfway through a chicken breast, like that's, first of all, I'm also trying to not eat a lot of chicken right now because I'm trying to increase my omega three to omega six ratio. And so not having chicken, all of the fish, <laughs> yeah, not having chicken as a lean protein resource is also really restrictive. So, yeah. I mean, we, we buy whole hogs. There's only one tenderloin. You know what I mean? Like there's not endless amounts of pork tenderloin from um, buying your own pig. We have a lot of fatty pig meat. We have um, canned tuna and canned salmon. And I've basically told Matt, I'm like, we're going to have to just buy beef. Like it's not something that we normally do because cow shares are much more difficult and we never know what we're going to get and we usually this is a total sidebar but we always get the short end of the stick and mm-hmm. somehow end up like with all of the tallow and the bones oh. and no like you know steaks or good stuff and so I've just been like okay it's that's like a- they know you like soup or something well I mean <laughs> yeah but if if I'm gonna pay what I'm gonna pay for a cow right. share I don't want to pay twice as much for what I would pay if I just bought the bone separately. So anyway, um, yeah, so we're just going to bite the bullet because what the only other source that I've been able to find is if I, if I buy more lean ground beef. So my preferred ground beef is 75, 25. It's really satiating and it's what we normally use. And it's what the blend is usually if we buy it from from our local farmer but if we switched to you know even 80 20 or 85 15 the protein on that goes way up and it can become a replacement for chicken but i have it's i have to like actively think about these things because it wasn't i just assumed that if i was eating meat at every meal that I was getting enough protein, but it's not the case because fat is so satiating that when we were eating fattier cuts of meat, I wasn't getting enough protein. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's definitely interesting. And I think, I think what's really refreshing Stephanie is probably for hopefully for people to hear that it's not about like this, this concept of you must, and thou shalt be a hundred percent perfect all the time. I think when you're talking in the concept of individuality and what your goals are. I mean, for most people, the idea of thinking about, you know, decreasing your chicken is something that most people do not need to worry about. I mean, I'm talking about like managing multiple autoimmune diseases, and this is something that I want to do instead of take medicine. So it's not something I'm putting upon other people, but for the same perspective, there's the person standing beside me that could still call themselves like eating real food or eating real eating paleo who if they tolerate gluten-free oats or if they tolerate white rice or if they tolerate whey protein like those things can be beneficial if you're aware of their context and how they're influencing your body Um, and I think that the point that I try to make with using paleo to you know what I call strong women fuel or you know whatever it is um, when I'm sharing about what I'm eating is just to show that like you can eat a nutrient-dense like you can live a nutrient dense lifestyle and not have to like sacrifice sacrifice performance you don't have to be eating all the carbs all the time in order to you know perform certainly not refined processed food either and this idea that you know donuts give you better deadlifts i know that it's fun to say that and i would love it if it were true but um you know pop tarts post workout is just it's not the ideal food for your body and it might be an immediate um sugar response to replenish glycogen but um there are a lot of other foods that can replenish glycogen and give you more bang for your buck as you're eating them as well and i think that's kind of my 
biggest gripe with what I'm seeing in the community is this justification for naughty foods as being somehow better for you. And I, I literally am just kind of like scratching my head saying, when did someone believe that this is actually the case? Like what information out there is actually encouraging people to think that junk food is good for you in a post-workout window, you know? Yeah. It's kind of just looking for, um, looking for the blessing to just kind of eat crap. And, you know, and I get it. If, you know, I, I'm not somebody who's like, Oh, you know, a dessert never touches my lips, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it was my birthday last week and I had dessert at dinner, like, cause I wanted it and it was my birthday and, but I don't eat dessert every day. Right. So, um, I don't think you need the blessing of a certain number. You know, if you're hitting that number for the day, like, okay, now I get to eat my treat. I feel like there's a lot of screwed up psychology involved in that. Like, you know, the cheat meal and the cheat foods and, and all this other stuff. Um, so I feel like psychologically there's kind of some messed up stuff there that plays with people. Um, I feel like, you know, Hey, if I wanted to eat a donut tomorrow, I I could eat a donut tomorrow. I would make sure it was at least a good one. Um, but I know what I'll feel like after I eat it. And I know that I'm not going to eat a donut every day after I work out just because it has carbohydrates in it. It's also got a ton of fat. Um, and it's not nutrient dense whatsoever. So I feel like, you know, people can be big, big boys and big girls. They can make their decisions about what they eat and when, but we can't just be lulled into a false sense of, well, just cause I hit macro numbers with all this shitty food that it's okay. Um, it's not like long-term, it's not a good solution for, for health and stuff. And I feel like maybe when, I don't know, I feel like this is really popular with young, like younger people right now. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you know, maybe when they get to be my age, they'll reconsider because stuff like recovery starts to become, you know, like, like we joke, the struggle is real, but recovery is, is that shit is real when you're post 35, you know, like if you don't recover well, you don't pay attention to sleep and how you're eating. Um, it's really hard to perform well. It just really is. And maybe, maybe your genetics are, are special and, and you can still do that to yourself when you're older, but like things are going to change. <laughs> um, so I just feel like, you know, we want people to eat well a majority of the time and, and make good decisions and feed themselves food that's nutrient dense and anti-inflammatory. And yeah, you can have cake, but don't make it every single day. Like, let's not be unrealistic. Um, so that's kind of where I come from with it. You just made me feel really old because it hadn't occurred to me (laughs) that this recovery thing is because I'm like a decade older than a lot of these people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the gym gym I go to now and I used to, um, go to Invictus in San Diego um, you know, I would be in class with 19, 18 year old kids, 20 year old kids. And I was like, man, why am I having such a hard time keeping up? <laughs> um, or I started to have to take an extra day off every week and everybody's like, where were you on Wednesday? And I was like, I could, I was so sore and tired and, you know, it's part of training and sometimes you push through that stuff and sometimes you, you wise up and you're like, it's not worth it this week. And, Um, that's why I only lift four days a week. I don't lift five or six days a week because the the cost benefit is not worth it for me. Um, especially because the stuff that, that I'm doing is, you know, technically pretty demanding. And if my CNS is blown up and I'm, you know, I can't hold a, an overhead squat or a snatch over my head, I might as well just go home because it's not, I'm not getting any training benefit out of it. So I mean, I guess maybe some of this stuff you just learn over time and, and you kind of decide what's more important, but at, you know, at 36, I, I want to still be making, um, gains, <laughs> but I know I can't do it in the same way as everybody else. Just like if you want to be, you know, Michael Phelps, like Michael Phelps is Michael <laughs> Phelps and he can eat what he wants and, and do what he wants. Cause he's just a machine. He's but... also not 36. Yeah, you know, you just kind of, uh, you kind of start to realize that 
you have to do what's right for you and your goals. And um, you can't necessarily always do what everybody else is doing, but that's okay. So Viv, any questions you want to ask? I don't have a ton because I feel like this was extra informative. Although I'm kind of like, there's a small part of me that's like, man, I made her blow her mind because of my lack of eating ability. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Again, if you're looking to find more of Stephanie, you can find her at Stupid Easy Paleo, her ebook, The Paleo Athlete, or her newly released cookbook, The paleo cookbook right no it's a performance paleo cookbook sorry um and she was also on an earlier episode of strong woman radio if you want to go check that out so anything i forgot no (laughs) awesome well happy recent birthday and thank you again for coming on yeah thanks for having me i am uh hoping to catch you on your um east coast book tour in the spring and probably we'll see you at paleo effects so um awesome so if you're i guess i haven't mentioned that on the podcast but um our my next upcoming event and and book signing will be at uh austin texas in april at paleo fx there's a couple other events as well um up on the blog but stephanie will also be at paleo fx so um it's a really cool thing for people who are interested in um functional movement and application of food and lifestyle not just specifically for paleo but there's a lot of famous um athletes and coaches and things that do, um, instructional classes and sessions. Um, I did one last year with Eva T. I'm going to do one this year with Jen Sinkler. I highly recommend, um, it it's fun. So we'll have a link in the show notes if you're interested in checking it out, but I'm sure you'll be there. Right. Steph. I will. And now that I know Jen Sinkler is going, I'm going to get my fangirl on. Cause you're going to do a workshop with me. I can't. Yeah, I'll do it. Awesome. I'll bring my workout clothes this time. She's gonna. She's doing a workout, a workshop on her um, responsive uh, training testing. Have you heard about this thing that she does? No. It's really cool. So instead of just having like one wad on the wall every day, they have like three things to choose from, and she teaches you how to test your body to see what you respond to best. And it's like a responsive training to see how you react. And if you react a certain way, it points you to which one of the workouts you're going to do. Um, so she's doing a a workshop on it, which I'll be interested to hear about because I'm, um, I think it could definitely apply to me since I have things that I definitely am more dominant in than others. I think it could be beneficial for me to be aware of that kind of stuff. So I'm excited. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. And yeah. um, thank you. Thank you. Make sure you eat. I'll be your accountability buddy. <laughs> I have a hunger buddy now that texts me every time he eats. He's like, are you eating? <laughs> and then I texted him back and I was like, maybe. And he's like, no, seriously, go eat now. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks, Steph. Thank you. Uh, My last announcement is that I would like to share the extremely exciting news, if you didn't hear last week, that Beyond Bacon is officially available for purchase in all Costco USA stores. This is... Congratulations! Thank you! Crazy, huge, exciting, unexpected news for Matt and I that um, our book that we released a year and a half ago at this... No... Yeah, well, okay. Anyway, um, a long time ago, <laughs> it feels like forever ago, um, was just picked up by Costco and is being carried in all of their stores. So um, it is the cheapest place that you can buy our hardback, glossy, gorgeous, you've got to get it book. Um, if you ask Matt, that's his favorite book. And um, he has the bacon jam recipe. It's oh my, my gosh. Bacon jam. Um, <laughs> All, a hey, which whole bunch I make of like in the crock pot and it's fantastic. Well, right. I usually put a tenderloin in there too, mm. so it's like a twofer. <laughs> and there's a recipe in there for um, like a tenderloin with apples in a slow cooker, which is really good. So there's a lot of one pot slow cooking meals that are great for right now in the cold weather, but then also with spring coming, there's a whole lot of like 
grilling and barbecue and smoking, we teach you how to smoke and we teach you how to make your own lard. And like, I mean, you don't have to do that, but the book is just fantastic. It's a, I, I love it. Even though I wrote it, like I often wonder how we wrote that book because I'm like, that's so gorgeous, full of information. Um, so if you already own it, it would be really great to buy for gifts or tell your friends and family that they can get it if you love it, um, because in-store sales will encourage Costco to maybe pick up our other books or, you know, other books from friends, or maybe they'll, you know, refill the orders if it sells well. So um, because it's the most affordable place to buy the book, I highly encourage you to do it. And we're going to try to do a couple of signings at drivable places. So I will keep you informed if we schedule some events at Costco's in the near future. But um, just want to share that exciting news with everyone. And um, yeah, it was so super awkward starting this podcast without you, Viv. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had a, you know, real life work that was stopping me from getting home on time. So I just was like, I don't know what to do. I've never started a podcast by myself before, but fortunately mm-hmm. Steph was here, so we were good to go. Um, but anyway, everyone have a wonderful week. Stay strong and, and lift big.